you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. We begin with the very latest on COVID-19. Our pleasure to welcome back to us from UC Davis Children's Hospital, Dr. Dean Blumberg. He's Chief of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at Davis and Professor of Medicine. Thank you so much, Dr. Blumberg, for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend. I did. Good morning, Larry. Maybe we could start off and start about talking about the football game. What was your experience <laughs> like there? Was it with people wearing masks and they were and, supposed and to, but were not? I, I would say. I mean, there was very small percentage when people were walking around the concourse area, they wore masks, but in their seats, I'd say there was very low compliance at SoFi uh, Stadium with it. And even as people were walking around, if they were, you know, drinking uh, a beer or something like that, their mask would just be hanging around their their chin or their mm-hmm. neck. So I'd say pretty low mask compliance, but of course you do have to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to gain entry to the stadium. So there is that degree of protection. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at the 49er game yesterday oh, with my yeah. um, sister from La Crescenta. She flew up for the game. So it was great seeing her, but I saw the same thing where you know, most people were not wearing masks, even in the, the indoor places that they were supposed to, like the bathrooms or the concourses. And, um, you know, the people who were wearing masks outdoors, of course, you can't social distance in your seats. It was people like me, older people. So it was mm-hmm. like people older than like 60 were wearing masks and all the younger people, they, were, they weren't. And towards the end of the game, when people had had more beers, there was a lot less um, mask wearing. Yeah. Well, you had a rough outcome with your local team, just like uh, we did here in Southern California. So yeah. but uh, the weather was nice. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Uh, Dr. Dean Blumberg, UC Davis, joining us. And you know, speaking of requirements uh, for entering public places, that's what we're going to start with today, because in the city of Los Angeles, starting today, there's one of the most stringent requirements for vaccination anywhere in the country. What is required in the city of L.A.? And it's not, you know, cities surrounding it, but just in L.A. city, one must have full vaccination or if there's a medical or religious reason why someone isn't getting vaccinated, a negative COVID test from within the past 72 hours to enter restaurants, coffee shops, gyms, 
personal services like uh, hairdressers, barbershops, places like that, uh, massage uh, businesses. Malls also fall under this. Movie theaters, entertainment centers like you know bowling alley alleys, uh, video arcades, things like that. So pretty much as I read this, the only establishments, public establishments not requiring are like standalone stores, supermarkets, drugstores, things. But if you go into a mall, you're going to have to show the proof of vaccination or the negative COVID test. Now, this goes quite a bit beyond what L.A. County has, because theirs doesn't include restaurants and as wide uh, an array of, of businesses. So, Dr. Blumberg, your thoughts on this, and, and do you think it's going to make a significant difference? You know, it's it's interesting because some places that have instituted this at the beginning, it can get off to a rocky start. But after a while, you know, there seems to be buy in and then it becomes routine. And 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 it just seems like one more thing, just like, you know, putting on your seatbelt or, or other requirements like that. Um, but it can be difficult to institute at the beginning. And of course, you do expect it to lead to some tension because some people will be against it and make a point of trying not to follow these guidelines. Well, and I also wonder about neighboring cities not having similar um uh, stringent guidelines. You know, the county has some, but again, you know, in our neighboring counties like Orange County and others do have even fewer requirements. So um, I also wonder what effect this is going to have on businesses. And, you know, you're, you're not a, a business expert necessarily, but I, I wonder, do you think that that's going to inhibit the um, ability of this to, to get more people vaccinated? Will people just go to neighboring cities? Well, I hope not. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of um, businesses are are um, doing well because of the location that they have. It's convenient for people to go go to them. So um, it'd be very inconvenient for people to go out of their way to other areas. So I'm hopeful that they'll comply. And it is a hardship for businesses. It, it's going to take additional personnel in order to monitor and to check people's vaccination status. So I sympathize um, with that. But hopefully what that does result is allowing the businesses to stay open. And after a while, it becomes routine where the customers entering the businesses will routinely volunteer to show their vaccination status. And yeah, yeah if uh, you have a business, this goes into effect today. Feel free to call us, share with us your thoughts on how your employees are thinking about it. If you work for a business where this is going to be implemented, I, I welcome your call uh, with your input on this and how you seeing it playing out in the city of L.A. Also, any general COVID or vaccination questions for Dr. Blumberg, particularly those involving kids, given that he is chief of pediatric infectious disease at UC Davis. We're at 866-893-KPCC, 866-893-5722. You can also email us. Please include your location and first name. Airtalk, or I'm sorry, AT comments at kpcc.org. AT comments at kpcc.org. Marty in Hollywood asks Will businesses vet people who say they have religious or medical exemptions to getting vaccinated? My concern is anyone can say they're exempted and the whole mandate won't be effective. Marty, I, I can't imagine no, no, you know, restaurant is in a position to determine whether a religious or medical exemption is valid, but that customer. 
customer will have to show the negative COVID test from within the past 72 hours. So even if there's a religious or medical exemption, you, you are not going to be able to gain entrance unless you show that negative COVID test. 866-893-KPCC or comments at kpcc.org. Also, just remind you, you know, you can use a photo of your vaccination card. You don't have to carry around the original with you. I I don't carry mine around because I'm afraid I'll lose it or mangle it. But you can put that photo and then just save it to the home screen of your phone of your vax card. And that works everywhere. Also, the myvaccinerecord.cdph.ca.gov is the California digital vaccine record, uh, which you might have to, you know, get uh, straight with them on on how you're really vaccinated because a lot of people have, at least early on, had problems with the accuracy of it. But that's available, and you can save it to your digital wallet, and then that's available on your phone, and, and that is even more specific than the photo of your Vax card. But um, we're going to link to that on the AirTalk page so you can see that, uh, and we'll also tweet it out uh, on the AirTalk Twitter account for information about the digital vaccine record card that is available to make this easier. 866-893-KPCC. Just out of curiosity, Dr. Blumberg, how do you, how do, you do it? You carry your original card? Or you use uh, uh, facsimile? No, I, I don't carry the original. I'm afraid that I'd lose it or it would get damaged. So I have a picture of it on my phone, and then I've got some QR code that um, is all from the hospital that, that I got the vaccine from that supposedly links to the record. Oh, that's good. Okay, very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, because a lot of people from their health care provider have a separate vaccination record that they can also use, and those are also accepted, at least in the city of L.A., and, and I would assume other places where vaccination proof is required. Jeff in Silmar emailed us, I'm the father of a one-year-old, and the end of the pandemic seems far from over because there isn't a vaccine in sight for the little one. My wife is still breastfeeding. If she gets a booster shot, does that increase the protection our baby gets from the antibodies that are present in breast milk? Yeah, probably, because um, if she gets a booster shot, she has higher antibodies. That's going to result in higher antibody concentration in the breast milk itself. And we know that there's many advantages to breastfeeding, but one of the main advantages is it results in decreased risk of respiratory infection, um, and it should result in decreased risk of COVID infection with those antibodies coating um, the upper respiratory tract. So that, that should be good. But there's also good news in that vaccines are being studied in those six months to four years of age, and the manufacturers say that they should have um, data on that maybe at the end of this year or the first quarter of next year. All right. Uh, We have Marissa in Encino. For the businesses where you need to show proof of vaccination, are you still mandated to wear your mask in that facility? Yes, Marissa, my understanding is that the L.A. County ordinance requires indoor masking. So that is a requirement regardless of one's vaccination or testing status. Dr. Blumberg, is that your understanding? 
That's my understanding too, but I'm sure there's going to be some confusion. And this reminds me early on in the, uh, in the pandemic when, you know, you'd come in on Monday morning and it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing this week? And what are we supposed to <laughs> yeah, do in this yeah. situation? So it's true. hard to keep up with. Yeah, it is. It just, it just, uh, it seems like it, it keeps moving. Uh, Shelly in Studio City says, I was talking uh, with an owner of a local cafe she said she doesn't even think she's going to check customers' vaccination status because all of all the grief customers have given her just over the mask mandate. Uh, Shelley, I, I think, you know, for business owners, this puts them in a very difficult position. You know, no no question about it. Um, but there is, you know, uh, a fine that um, goes into effect by the end of this month. Uh, businesses could be fined $1,000 or more for violating the ordinance. Now, what are the odds businesses are actually going to be inspected and, and cited for that? Who knows? Uh, in a city the size of Los Angeles, the, whether there would be the ability to, to truly enforce it. But at least there are consequences on the books for businesses who don't um, get into following this by the end of the month. There is sort of a, a ramp-up period here with warnings. 866 866- 893-KPECC or email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location, as Richard in West Covina did. said, with a recent change in weather, I've, I've gotten a bit of a cold, nothing bad, congestion, runny nose. I've taken a couple of Binax uh, tests that are all negative, scheduled for a Moderna booster Friday. Is it okay to get the booster with cold symptoms? Yeah, it's okay to get the booster as long as you have a mild or moderate illness. If you have a severe illness, then you shouldn't be vaccinated. So if you have a high fever um, or you, you know, you're staying home and you're in bed, then you really shouldn't be vaccinated because we it can be confusing the post-vaccination symptoms. We, we're not sure if that's the natural progression of the infection or if it's because of the vaccine. And of course, we do anticipate during the winter months where a lot of people do have mild symptoms for quite some time where we get repeat infections, where we can have runny nose and a mild cough. And that's okay. You know, low-grade fever is okay, too. But you don't want somebody with a high fever or severe symptoms being vaccinated. 866-893-KPECC. Drew in Ladera Heights emailed us, will the L.A. County or city mandates apply to government buildings like courthouses? I'm thinking of crowded jury pools, etc. We'll check on that. Matt, please look that up and we'll get that uh, information for you. That's a that's a, a very good question. I think um, because the superior courts are uh, operated uh, on a county basis, I assume that the county rules would apply there, but it's that's a very good question. Dr. Blumberg, do you know uh, for your region, Northern California, how they deal with that? Yeah, I think it would in, in Northern California that would apply in Sacramento County that would apply to the courthouses. But I'd also like to mention that, you know, my sister, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law are both DAs in LA County. And they've told me that they feel very safe in general in the courthouses, that they've done a great job of of distancing um, people in the courthouses so so that it, they do feel safe. That's good. That's good to hear. Hadrian in Hollywood emailed us, are kids under five who aren't eligible for vaccines 
excluded from the new L.A. City regulations, or will they have to show proof of a negative test? Uh, Adrian, they are excluded. Also, for older kids 5 to 11, will one dose be enough to attend indoor uh, events or stores? It's my understanding that this rule applies for those who are older, uh, at least 12 or older, if not 18. I'm trying. That's another thing we'll look up and see what the age restrictions. I'm sorry, 18 or over is is for L.A. So this this wouldn't apply to anyone under the age of 18. And uh, do you know in your region what the age cutoff is, Dr. Blumberg? Yeah, I think that, you know, most places are doing 18 and over. Um, just because it's more recently that the vaccine has been available to younger individuals. Ralph in West Hollywood emailed us, I went out for breakfast. The hostess asked me for proof of vaccination, which I provided happily on my phone. She didn't even glance at it. Could have been a lottery ticket or a parking certificate. After being seated, I observed another hostess failing altogether to ask people, how do we know this is actually going to be enforced? Ralph, I think we don't. And I think then it's going to be up to customers to determine to what degree they care about this when they go to places um, as to whether they're really going to enforce it. I, you know, I'm sympathetic to the employees because, you know, as, as Shelly in Studio City was saying about the cafe owner that she talked to, you know, they've had to deal with confrontations with customers. And, you know, that that's not something that you're counting on having to do if you're a server or a hostess at a restaurant. Uh, Dr. Blumberg, you know, your thoughts on this, because we're asking people to do a kind of enforcement. We've, you know, we've never asked people to be what like what the equivalent of bouncers are, you know, checking IDs. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure that we've all experienced um, observing confrontations either related to masks or vaccine or other sort of guidelines. And, you know, I've seen this in um, large stores and like big box stores. I saw it yesterday when I was on the light rail traveling back from the game where there's one guy not wearing a mask and people confronted him about it. And it takes a skill set to do that um, correctly without raising the tension. Um, and people can learn to do that. I've, I've seen de-escalation done very well. Um, so it might take a certain amount of training for the employees. All right. 866-893-KPECC. We have from an L.A. Times article that's trying to get to the issue of courthouses and what the rules are. L.A. is requiring proof of vaccination to enter indoor city facilities. Now, that would not include courthouses, although unvaccinated people uh, will be provided alternative arrangements for access to government services, which could include online or outdoor services or providing a negative test to enter an indoor facility. So, again, that's for city of L.A., but that does not speak to you know superior court where people typically would do jury duty, for example. So I'm sorry we're having a hard time finding that, but I just have to assume that with the county operating the court, that the county rules are are going to apply, uh, although, you know, they would try and work around issues, I'm sure, for people who are called to jury service. 866-893-KPECC. You might well have seen articles showing that California's COVID-19 case rate is now twice that of Florida's. And so the question is, well, why would that be? It is important to keep in mind that the... Um, hospitalization rate per 100,000 to this point is about double in Florida 
what it is over the course of the pandemic in California. But I've seen some interesting theories for why California now has more COVID cases than Florida. Dr. Blumberg, what do you think explains this? You know, a lot of it is a mystery where you get these surges in certain locations and you try to explain why. But then after a surge, then you seem to have a lull for a while. And it's not always easy to explain. The cases in California have been relatively flat since the surge that we had at the end of the summer. Um, But the models suggest that they will um, start to creep up um, this month and next month, and likely the next surge will peak sometime in January. One of the interesting theories I saw is that uh, Florida lagged in vaccinations and that California, particularly in urban areas of the state, saw a comparatively high rate of vaccination. And that that meant as that vaccination coverage started waning, that we became more vulnerable again, where Florida, because they vaccinated later, would have protection that's lasting into this period. You you think that that might be? Well, yeah, that's a good point, too, because I think when Florida was experiencing such a surge, um, there was a lot of publicity about that. And I think that did inspire a lot of Floridians to get vaccinated because of that. Well, and and then there is the issue of of natural immunity. In other words, someone who gets COVID-19 having for some period of time uh, some resistance to getting COVID again, although they certainly can and do. um, Could it also be that 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 surge in Florida is now providing some degree of protection there? Certainly reinfection is rare in the 90 days after initial infection. And so you do get some protection after a surge. Um, but we are learning more about the immunity of, of um, infection compared to vaccination. And it appears that the immunity that's acquired after va- vaccination is about 50% um, better than the immunity uh, acquired after infection. So I consider the um, infection maybe equivalent to one dose of vaccine. Um, and so you don't get that full protection that you get with the two dose series. The CEO of Regeneron says their monoclonal antibody treatment provides lasting protection, um, which is good. I mean, it's an expensive treatment, obviously, and uh, has been life-saving in many cases. But um, this is certainly good news that that the protection appears to last. Yeah, it is good news. It is awkward to administer because it's administered either intravenously um, or you can get it subcutaneously. But in that case, it takes four injections. Um, And then we really don't know how long protection lasts. The modeling suggests that the protection would last at least three months based on the antibody kinetics. But we need real world data um, on that. So I'm glad that they're collecting that. And this could be quite useful for people who are immunocompromised. Those with weakened immune systems may not respond to vaccination. Olivia in Glendale emailed us, I was wondering if it's worth it to sign up my four-year-old daughter for a COVID vaccine trial. She's eligible, but it would require several visits. I'd have to use up my sick days, but I'm scared of long-haul COVID symptoms in kids. Is it worth it to try everything to get her the vaccine a bit sooner? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a real dilemma whether to be involved in one of those trials because it does take many visits. Um, it takes a lot of commitment. Um, and then most of those studies are, um, uh, are slanted two to one in terms of in favor of getting the vaccine. But there's a chance that she might receive the placebo injection um, also. One thing I can reassure you about long COVID in children is that it occurs probably about half as frequently as it occurs in adults. So it does seem to be less 
And I don't have any data on this, but most of the long COVID cases that I've been involved with in children have been with adolescents and less so with the younger children. And does there seem to be a relationship between the degree of of symptoms and seriousness of illness with the development of long COVID? You know, I'm not aware of that because long COVID has been um, described after asymptomatic infection also. All right. Dr. Blumberg, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, sir, for being with us. Have a terrific week, and uh, hopefully our uh, our NFL teams will perform better uh, next time out. So, <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.